because I'm going to tell you, well, I don't have to tell you, you already know. If you live in this world, then you know the pressures of this world. And if you ever have, if you work in this world, then you know the, the situations and circumstances that the world can throw at you. And sometimes you just, you really need just a breath of fresh air. And, and, and Brother Jonathan has, has done that for me um, several times. And you don't know how much that I appreciate it. But I'm going to tell you something else you're going to appreciate is um, that 1030 hour when you get a good preacher. <laughs> but I do want to thank Brother Jonathan for the, the privilege to be here. It's, it's a great honor. Um, he, he could have he had a whole lot better preachers here. Um, and, and I don't take it lightly, church. I, I really don't. Um, I'm, I'm trying not. I'm gonna try not to take much of your time. Just get my nerves to settle down here. And when when he pre- when I talked to him back at the men's meeting, he uh, he had said that he had had me on his heart. And and right not well just before we ever left the building, God laid this message on my heart. And and I, I pray that it'll be a blessing to you. I pray that it'll it'll bring out some things that um, that'll change our lives. And if it doesn't change our lives, it, it'll change our confidence as we're going forward. Because where we are in this world, we can say what we want, but this world is, is, is um, I don't think it's changed, church. I think we're just now having a revelation of what the world is really all about. I believe what we're looking at now is just what the world really has to offer us. And as children born again saved children of God, this, this world does not want us in it. And thank God there's coming a day when that eastern sky is going to open and they're, they're going to get their wish, but they don't know what's coming behind that. And fortunately, church, we do. That's why when that sky parts open, we'll know that in the twinkling of an eye, it says that we're going to be taken up out of here. You know, we may not all die, but we, we shall all be changed. And I'm praying, I'm praying that that change will come, that, that that change come. Um, if you would turn with me in your Bibles, I'm going to be in 2 Kings chapter 2. And, and I know you're probably saying, that's, that's, uh, this is Easter. Well, I want, to, I want to try to tie two things together here with the help of the Lord. Um, this, this is, uh, I feel very, I couldn't get away from this. Um, I mean, honestly and truly, when, when I started looking at this, this, this message and I started looking at what it was that he would have, I, you know, I was studying and I was reading and, and this is where I keep coming back to. I kept coming back to right here. And I believe uh, with all my heart, this is exactly what God would have for us right here for right now. If you would stand with me in reverence to the reading of the word, again in um, 2 Kings chapter 2. I'm going to start reading at verse number 11. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot out of, of chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. 
Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. We want to thank you for this opportunity to be back in your house. Lord, we want to thank you for the many blessings that you've bestowed upon us, as unworthy as we are, Lord, as humble as we know how. We just want to thank you. Lord, as we come to you this morning, we ask that you be here with us. We ask that you take control of this service. Lord, we ask if there'd be anything that'd be a hindrance of the movement of your spirit in this place, that you bind it up in the name of Jesus and remove it, that we may be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, I ask that you just take and guard my mouth and guard my heart, Lord. Let anything that come out, Lord, be be you. Let me be hidden. Let them not see me nor hear my voice, Lord, but whatever it is they see and hear, be from up on high, that it is coming straight from you, straight from you, Lord, not of me. Lord, we ask you take these words and divide them as they should, as you see fit. Put them in our hearts. Open the secret places of our hearts, Lord, that this, these words would settle there and our lives be forever changed. And we'll be sure to give you the praise, honor, and glory for this and all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Where we are here, is a very familiar scripture for a lot of us. This is where that Elijah is leaving the scene and Elisha is getting ready to take up that mantle and move on. And where we are, these this says, and I want to back up here. And in verse 7, he tells us, he says, And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. Where we are is, is Elijah is getting ready to leave the scene. Elijah's, his, his, his ministry is now coming to an end and it's time for something to take place. It's, it's time for him, him to, to, to leave the scene and then the next man to, to come on. But I want to point out something here. I believe that if, if we're honest, when we get to a change in our lives, God is going to prepare us for that change. And when they get to a change in our lives and something's getting ready to happen, He's going to start talking to us. He's going to, he's going to prick up the, our souls so that we can understand, hey, something's coming. Something's coming. And if you look at verse 7, it says, And fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off. That word, that fifty, stands for the Holy Spirit. So He sent fifty men. And if you go back and you study that out, Every single one of the places that Elijah and Elisha went, the men of God already knew that he was getting ready to be taken off the scene. Every single one of the places, and it was to the point that they never, I don't believe that they spoke it out loud. They waited until Elisha got over here to the side and, hey, you know your man's getting ready to get taken from you. You know your man's getting ready to be taken from you. So they all knew, and I believe if you look at that number 50 right there, God was all over this change. But then when you get back and it says, and they stood afar off, and they too, which now, that word, that number two stands for union, division, and witnessing. So you have the two men of God that have had a union. Elisha says, I will not leave you. I am not going to leave you. And you say, well, what about the division? Well, in my mind, and you can go out and you can study it for yourself to see what you think, but I believe there was a division here. I believe there was a division between the men of God because they were saying this might happen, that might happen, this may not. I believe there was a debate between the men of God because then they were all there. They were gathered there and I believe they were gathered there at the will of God but there were still some questions that they had about what was going on. So that rather than be involved with what was happening and I believe, brother, I believe, church, I believe had they desired they could have been right there beside of Elijah. There was, it does not ever say, I don't find anything in that account that stopped them from being in the presence of that great miracle other than their own decisions. Where are we in our spiritual lives? Where are we right now when it comes time to know what God is doing and where God is moving? Are, are we standing back? Have we made a decision just to stop and find out what's going on? Or are we getting to be a part, get in part of it? But then that, another, that witnessing, there's your witnesses. They're all witnessing this from afar off. 
but they too standing there at the Jordan. So for a little while I want to, I want to preach on this thought. The truth and nothing but the truth. The heart of the witness. Now I want you to think about that as we're coming into this, this season of, 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 our, of, of, our, of our lives. This season of, of, this season of, of um, the crucifixion and Easter. This holiday that we have. Where are we, church? If you look at the, the state of the world and your pastor just stood up here and talked about it, even, even now, the, the Easter has, begotten, has become just like another Christmas. It's just like, a, well, we're, it's just it's something we don't have to work. Oh, well, we should be off. We should, we're, we're, we're Christians. We shouldn't, work on, we, shouldn't work on, we shouldn't work on Christian holidays, but we can go to the beach and we can go to the parties and we can go all of these places that have nothing to do with Christ and nothing to do, and you tell me we're crucifying Him all over again. We're taking Him back to do something He's already been done, and His words told us it is finished. It is finished. Now where we are here, you say, what does that have to do with Easter? Well, this, is, this, this, this account... Here is a picture of Christ preparing His disciples for His departure. And then where we are, I think if you look at where our world is, our world is preparing us for His return. The world is preparing us for His return because if you've ever had hopes in anything and you've ever had dreams in anything and you're watching the world and you say, well, I can't count on that anymore. Well, I can't count on this anymore. Well, I can't count on this family member. I can't count on that family member. But one thing you can count on is this right here. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He has not changed. He will not change. He cannot change because he cannot lie. And if, I'm going to tell you more and more and more. You, you, I was talking to your pastor there in the vestibule coming in. The more you look at this world, the more it's revealing what it's really all about. There's an important work to leave those following with instruction. And the part here, the, the one of the parts that we want to look at for the heart of the witness is it was critical for the work, but there was another group that may be more influential. When you look at what's taking place and you look at all the people that are involved, you've got Elijah, you've got Elisha, but you've got those men of God. Each one of those has something that they have to be has to take place. But what about in, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What we want to be living, church, is the truth, and nothing but the truth. Because there's people watching us. And there's people that are standing out there and there's people that are just looking at your life to see if your life is lining up with, with your words. I was telling him about a gentleman that I go to, that I work with, and he's having a lot of conflict in his mind because he knows the things that the church is doing and these people that make professions of being Christians and saved and born again, and their lives are contradictory to their words. Their lives are contradictory to the profession that they're making, and he's in turmoil in his mind because that's not right. He's in turmoil. Now this, I want you to understand something, church. This is a lost man. This is a lost man that's in turmoil over the condition of the church and how the church people see themselves and how they conduct themselves when they're living in the communities and out in the world. A lost man. God help us, church, that a lost man can look up and see that's not right. That's not Bible. 
Lord, help us. Now, there's a whole lot of talk about the event, but a lot of us are going to overlook the part of the historian or the talebearer or that witness. That witness is a critical part. And you say, well, what, well, you say, well what, what does that have to do with anything? Because you see, I believe when Christ was leaving, he was leaving a legacy and he was leaving the people that he needed or wanted to carry on that word, that message. Because he said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. If I leave, I will send you a comforter. So when, when you get down and you turn on the news and all of a sudden the news has got you so beat down you want to crawl up under a rock and just go back to bed and turn. <laughs> hey, there's a comforter. I know there's been days that there's been days and I'll, I'll read something or hear something and all of a sudden I'm depressed and I'm angry and I'm mad and, and I'm confused and distraught and then God will send a verse. And God will send a verse. And if we'll pay more attention to the Word of God then this ramblings of the world I believe a lot of our problems could be solved because what we do is if we get filled with the world before we go into the world then we're going to act like the world how about if we get filled with the word before we go into the world so that we can change the world and not act like the world we can act like what this word is calling us to be and what this word what this word is calling us to become and what this world is calling us to bear witness to the lost because I'm going to tell you, this is not this is not some this is not where you're going to. Hey, sign me up. I want to go. <laughs> it's, 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 it's possible, but not likely, brother. Right. No. <laughs> so first of all, I want to see what they sought. What are these? What are they seeking? What are you seeking, church? And I believe, if we're honest, we, we want knowledge. We want to know where we are going. We want to know how all of this pans out. We want to know how it works. And now they knew the man of God. They knew his works. They knew his position. And also his student, Elijah. And they to know how he may go. They wanted to know how he was going to be, to be taken. They all knew how he was going to be gone. But they wanted to know how he was going to be taken. And if we're honest, church, I believe what we're looking at here is a physical account that God gave us in His Word so that we would know how some of these things happen. Because when we get over here in Luke after the crucifixion, a lot of that becomes spiritual. A lot of that becomes something that, hey, here's what I told you. This is what I've been instructing you for. Here's what you've been waiting on. But church, also, if we're honest, we've grown up in a spiritual world. And we grew up carnal. We're still carnal. We're still physical. Did I say spiritual, physical? We grew up in a physical world. I don't know what I said now. See, see, sometimes my brain and my mouth aren't on the same page. I know what I'm thinking, but I start talking, and it comes out. I'm, I'm a couple steps behind. I, I hope none, none of y'all have that problem. But I'm going to tell you, But where we are, we're in this physical world. We've grown up from the time that we were able to understand the words of our parents. They've given us instructions on how you behave, how you act, how you talk, how you walk. As men, we're told, you don't cry, you don't show weakness, you're, you're supposed to be a protector, you're supposed to be a guardian. And then when it comes time to get involved with the things of God, we're supposed to turn all of that off and we're supposed to be more spiritual beings. And we've been raised up into this world that all of this physical is what's important and all of the physical is what matters. But, you know, God is a spirit. That's right. And we who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. So what we have to do is we have to learn how to take all of these things that we've built up in this physical and trust God. Right, 
So I believe what he's done here, he's given us an account. He said, you keep your eyes on the man of God. You keep your eyes right here and I'm going to show you how something's going to work. Now when you get over here to the spiritual, it's going to be a little confusing, but you go back over here into your Bible and read about Elijah and Elisha and we're going to show you this, these things that are happening can take place and it may not happen exactly the way you think. Because if it was happening the way, sister, if it happened the way that I thought, then I could say, man, I'm God. But I can conjure up in my mind an imagination and a picture, and then God's going to come and say, right here, brothers, why you are not God. Yes, sir. Right. You could never imagine this. You could never think this. You could never dream it up in a million years. And it's perfect. Right. It's absolutely perfect. So they sought knowledge. And, John, and, and Jesus told them over in the book of John, and whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Yes, we know, church. Now physically we can sit back and say, well, I'm not sure about this and I don't know about that and I don't know about this. And you know, that's just like that gentleman that I work with. He talks about everything that he doesn't know. I don't know this and I want to know and I want to know and I want to know, but he sure knows when a child of God that professes to be a child of God is wrong. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You tell me how a lost man can tell us when a saved man is wrong. Because God put something down in us, church. He put each and every one of us. He put something. When you won't talk to any other man, God can still talk to you. And I don't mean to get off in the weeds, but Proverbs 13 and 10, he hit me like that. He hit me with it. It's like he hit me in the head with a two by four with that. Only by pride cometh contention. Think about that. Now I'm off the topic here, but any single thing that you've ever dealt with that's been an argument or contentious or something, had you, had I, shut my mouth, swallowed my pride, and turned the other way. It would have never taken place. But it was my pride. It was my pride that allowed this to raise up in me to create a situation that not only affected me, it affected myself, it affected, if it was my wife, it affected my wife, it affects my children. And then if, I'm, if, I'm, if it's affected my son, my daughter and my wife are witnesses. What are they going to tell? But you know, we weren't on speaking terms for a little while. Now, I wasn't speaking to him, but he was wearing me out. <laughs> but let me tell you something, church. Will you just let him talk to you? Will you just let him talk to you? Don't block him out. Don't, don't just say, I don't want to hear it. Because what he'll do is he'll let you have the desires of your heart. But they wanted what they sought. They sought knowledge. But after what they sought and then they, what they saw. What they saw was a miracle when the chariot took him up. No one had to explain it or convince them. They were there. They had a first-hand account. And, and, he said, and, I, and I believe if you're honest, parting the water was not the miracle they were looking to see. And if you read that account... I don't even realize that, I don't even know that they realized or took into account that they just witnessed a miracle of the water being parted and these two men walking over on dry land. They were so caught up into making sure that they were able to see what's going to happen to the man of God that they overlooked God working right there in front of their eyes. How many times, church, are we guilty of sitting back and looking for something to happen or looking for your man of God to do something and God is working all around you in your lives and in your hearts and in your minds and we miss it. 
because we're focused on something that we've conjured up in our own mind. And what God, I believe, He's trying to tell us, open your eyes. Look a different way. I'm still here. I can be there and I can be here. But I'm telling you, oh my goodness. They were looking and not hoping. They knew it was to take place. They just didn't know how. And I think if we're honest, brother, a lot of times we already figure in our mind, oh, I know exactly what's getting ready to happen right here. I know how this is going to take place. And then when God moves in, you say, well, now that wasn't God. So when you go back and you look in, they, they said they, they were looking for that miracle. Well, do you say, well, how does that tie to the crucifixion? Because they went to the tomb. And Matthew 28 and 6 says, he is not here. For he is risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. He told them what was going to happen. He told them how it was going to take place. But they went there looking for him anyway. And he wasn't there. He was gone. He was gone. He was true to his word. Just like he was true when he said Elijah was going to be taken. He was true to that. They saw the chariot come and get him. And he said, I'm going to be up and I'm going to be out of here in three days. He was truthful to his word. God cannot lie. He cannot lie. Hallelujah. But see, the thing about it, that part in the water, even that empty tomb, that wasn't the important part. They were worried about the empty tomb, and they was like, well, if he's not here, he's got to be somewhere. And they, how long did they, how long, church, did they focus on that empty tomb? Oh, man. Oh, Lord. Nobody's seen him. Nobody's seen him. And if you really think about it, when he spoke to them, they didn't recognize him. How many times has he spoken to us, church, and we are oblivious until he calls us by name? When he calls us by name. And then he tells them in Luke chapter 24, verse 25, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He's telling us in his word, church. He's telling us exactly what's going on. He's telling us what's happening. And we see what they sought and what they saw. And here we get to what they say. Here is where for a lot of us the true responsibility lies. And this act draws the line upon which side of eternity we stand. And if you look at verses 16 through 18, it reveals some doubts. And they said unto him in verse 16, Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. Lest peradventure the Spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, Ye shall not sin. And when they urged him till he was ashamed, he said, Sin. They sent therefore fifty men, and they sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, in verse 18, for he tarried at Jericho, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? And if you look over in Luke, it's one of my favorite accounts in the Bible. He was on the road to Emmaus. Yes, sir. Luke 24, verse 29. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us. You see over here, the men of God in the account with Elijah, they were confused and they wanted to make sure that what they thought was going to happen could be proven. But on the road to Emmaus, 
the couple that was on the road to Emmaus as he started talking to them and he was telling them some things and he he was explaining what was going on. This was after the crucifixion. They had already left from there. They were on their way home 15 miles. I believe it was 15 or 7. Either way, by the time they got done walking back, it was 15. (laughs) And a lot of us don't want to walk to the car. (laughs) But as they were walking and they were talking, when's the last time you slowed down enough to walk and let him do the talking? When's the last time that we've let the world Take a back seat, brother. When's the last time that we've let the world just just stay where it is? Because we know there's something God's been dealing with us about. We know there's something that God's been trying to get through to us. But we can't hear Him because I've got an appointment over there. And I've got to go meet this person here. Or I've got to go take care of this. And I've got to go take care of that. And we get so busy and we get so caught up in the things that we don't slow down. And we won't allow Him to use that still, small voice. You know what? I'm sure they were heartbroken. I'm sure they were heartbroken. Because they said we knew this was him. We knew. And now he's gone. He's not here. We knew. And I'm going to tell you, if in this world today you can't say, I just knew this was going to happen. I knew that couldn't be possible. Hang on, church. Hang on, church. Slow down. Walk with him for just a little while. Let him talk to you. Because it says when they got here, they constrained him in Luke 24 and 29, but they constrained him saying, Abide with us. For it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. You see what happened right here? This is where it got personal. Right here is where it got personal. Because here's now we look at our houses today and we can go in and we'll bring somebody into this room. And then we'll hide our stuff in the other room. <laughs> we go, we'll bring them over here in this room and they said where's your bathroom oh well you got to go well you want to go to this one <laughs> but see in this day when you open that door and you bring somebody in your house what you see is what it is where you live is visible and you know what they didn't care they had been gone brother they had, been, they had been gone for days. I'm sure it was days waiting on this event. So when they get home, their house was, I'm sure they probably left in a tear, kind of like we do sometimes. But when they got back, they weren't worried about what their house looked like. They weren't worried about the condition of what was on the inside. They knew how they were living when they left. The way they were living when they left is the same way they were living when they brought Jesus back in there. And they didn't have to say, you hold on, i got to clean up some stuff. They said, come in here. Come in and abide with us. They didn't say come in and sit a cell. They said, I want you to come live here. Abide. Come and stay a little while. They wanted to know something, church. There was something on their hearts that they needed to get out. He had shown them some things and they wanted more. They wanted more. You know why we turn on the news? It's because the Satan has hooked us on some story that we think is going to come and do something to us or for us and we turn it on again and we want more. We want more. Turn it on again. What about this right here? Everything that we're seeing in the world today primarily is physical. But what we are failing to realize, it's being motivated and it's being driven by the spiritual. 
If you want to know what's going on physically, get in that book. Get in that Word. Find out where that Spirit's taking place. What's going on in the Spirit of God? Find out what's supposed to be happening in these last days. And those things that are physical are going to have to go away. They're going to have to. Oh my goodness. Esther 44, uh, Esther 4 and 14. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Why are you here today? Do you realize, do you realize that you could have been born and, and, and lived in any time in the world? From the day you could have been born Adam and Eve's son. If that's what God would have chosen. But for such a time as this, we as the church were put here right now for this time. For this time. If you truly believe that there's a purpose for you, what is your job at such a time as this? How can we ever be able to say something if we do not allow God to put us where we can see something? Because see church, if we, don't, if we want to forsake the assembly of God's people and we want to forsake that, then there's some things we're not going to be able to see. There's some things, once we don't see those things, we can't speak on those things. But God wants us to come together and with minded people so that that spirit can come in and move and work the, the way that he's designed it to move and work so that when we leave here, we can be witnesses to this dark, dying, lost world. We need people on the bat. We need soldiers on the battlefield. He needs us to be what He's called us to be. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant. But obedience is better than sacrifice. If we make a mistake, and I, and I don't, I don't mean to keep going, to, I'm, and I get off on these side roads and tangents. <laughs> <laughs> but you take into consideration the process of sacrifice. You go back and you look at the time. If you go back and you study in the Old Testament how a sacrifice was to take place, it took a lot of time. And what God, I believe, <clears throat> He was looking for is He wanted to see if that person's heart was right, that they were really, really sorry and, and, and repentant for what it was they did, that they're going to take the time to go through this process. And then when they set all of that on fire... And that sweet savor of that burning flesh would go up into God's nostrils. He said it was a sweet savor. Just enjoyed it. If, if you've got a flower that blooms, and when that, that, that aroma wafts through the room or comes across the air, man, that's a sweet savor. Man, I know them crepe myrtles, when they really start blooming, and that's, that stuff is so strong, and you can't really stand there. You enjoy it, but it may make my head hurt. It's almost like Bath and Body Works outside. <laughs> But you know what? As good as it is, as good as it is and as great as he likes it, obedience is better. He would rather see us be obedient than on our knees asking forgiveness. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't ask forgiveness. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But he's, he's, if he's given us and he's shown us where he wants us to be, obedience is better than sacrifice. When we truly seek and have been clearly shown, should we not speak truthfully? on what it is we've seen. I believe God has shown each and every one of us in this place something. He, he really truly has. Because what's going to happen is how we see and how we speak is going to, this is going to determine the remnant from the rabble. 
You know, I used when we were little, my mom had a saying and, and didn't really understand it because we would come to her about something that happened and the way the world treats you and the way they're, they're just mean. And we'd be like, Mom, why? Why? How do they do this? How do they get away with this? And how did they do with that? And she would tell us, it's just fodder for the fire. It's fodder for the fire. So I, I would encourage you, you look across at where we are from our government and, and our society and these people that are living any kind of way they want. Right now, this is, this is their reward, church. And it's uh, like mom would tell us, it's fodder for the fire. There's coming a day. There's coming a day. You know, there's often a crowd gathered to see God work but there's seldom a crowd anywhere to be found to do God's work. Why were these men standing so... Why were they standing off afar? Why were they at afar? They were God's men. They were the men of God. They had a relationship with Elijah. Why were they standing afar off waiting on somebody else to do the work? Where are we standing? If we're born and saved and we know we're going to heaven, why are we standing afar off why are we standing back? Let me get back here. Let me see. Can the pastor see me? <laughs> we want to get out of sight. But we don't want to be out of sorts so that we can say, I was there. Oh, when God moved, I was there. Oh, when that service took place, I was there. Oh, when that move happened, I was there. But where are you in it? We can be here physically, and I'm, I'm guilty. Yeah. Sitting in here listening to the preacher preach, and man, my mind's somewhere else. Right. So what is it? We see what they say, but what do we secure? Galatians 1 and 10, For do I now persuade me or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5 and 20, Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. Be that which God has called you to be, church. Be that which... If you're uncomfortable, then that means you're probably in the right place. If you're standing in front of somebody and you say, Well, I better not say that to them. Say it twice. <laughs> say it twice. And my mom said one time, she says, well, I've gotten old enough now, I can tell anybody anything I want. <laughs> and if we're saved going to heaven, when we're listening to some of this garbage coming out of the world, then we have an obligation and a responsibility and a right to tell them where we stand. We have the authority based on God's word that we can tell them the truth. Because they're professing a lie, they're living a lie, they're teaching our children lies, and they want us to go and propagate and carry the lie somewhere else. I'm not your one. I'm not him. Count me out. No, count me in. Count me in. If there was one thing I like to do besides get in trouble, it's upset somebody's apple cart. <laughs> People who know everything, and I, I, don't, I don't mean no harm by that, but you look at these people in their self-righteous indignation and they sit back and they want you, oh, you're one of those Bible thumpers. Oh, you're one of those, yo, you, you go down there to shine in light. We've heard some of the stuff he talks about. <laughs> then why are you running? Yeah. Why are you running? Yeah. 
Man is right in his own eyes. According to the Word of God, if you're not able to speak the truth about what you seek or have seen, there's only one reason. Matthew 12 and 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If you can't speak the good, what's truly in there? If you can't speak what you've been shown, you can't speak what you've seen, and you can't say what it is that you've seen that's truthful, we should strive to live the example we need or have needed through Christ. There's someone out there that's looking for that example, that witness to provide the example. They're looking for the truth. They actually, they need that truth. And if they do not get it, they will make their own. You think that that's not possible? Look around. Oh, I identify. I'm sorry, church. I don't mean no harm. If, if you were... If, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. And if it was born a duck, you can cut his feet off, but it's still a duck. It doesn't matter. God created male and female. Created He them. Then He said, go forth and multiply. You have a situation now they, can, they cannot multiply. Cannot. The order. Oh my. This. Church, if you can't see what Satan is doing, If you go back into Genesis, he beguiled Eve with a grain of truth. Just a grain. She changed her entire heritage by compromising on what she knew, what she had seen, by what she said. We are to secure a new position in the knowledge of Christ. A position close enough to Christ that what we witness will change our walk. And if I know this man, and, and I feel fairly certain based on our conversations and the relationships we've had, I know what he's telling you. Don't be mad at him. Don't be mad at him. I believe, the, I believe God, I believe they told Moses, uh, they're not chiding against you, Moses. They're chiding against me. And this man loves you, church. This man loves you. If you out there and you here and then you're listening to this, God loves you. Don't, don't, don't push against the Word of God because the Word of God don't match up with your way of life and your way of living. His book says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you're upset about your life, then you're probably outside this book. If you're out upset with the way your life is going, then there's something that God is trying to show you to get you back in line on where you need to be. He's not your enemy. You're going to tell me that, oh, he don't like me, he don't love me, then why in the world would he send his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life? You think he's going to give you something that's everlasting that's just, oh, man, I don't feel like going in here today. No, sir. You know that joy that you feel when you open up a birthday gift or a Christmas present and it's something you thought you'd never have? 
that was the salvation that we've started taking for granted. That's done got kind of dusty and moldy because we've taken it. We we just we don't look at it as as anything anymore. But it is, it is, it is, it is. And lastly, Matthew 11, verse 27. All things are delivered unto me of my Father. And no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Has God spoken to you, church? Do you know him? Do you realize how special you are? If you have sat in a service or you have been somewhere in your prayer closet and God has spoken to you and revealed Himself to you, do you realize what you have that the world is searching for? Do you realize, have you ever really truly tried to comprehend who you are in Christ? And what is Satan doing? He's convincing us to keep it hidden. He's convincing us to put it in a closet. He's convincing us to keep our mouths shut. Don't live a victorious life. Don't be battling the world and come out with some joy and praise on your lips because that's not the way the world works. The way the world works is you're supposed to listen to what the world tells you, do what the world tells you, fall into a pit full of hell, all of these other things that they convince you of. Not a victorious life. Not something God has said. You are above that. Come apart. Come out of there. You get away from them. You want some peace? Take three steps back away from the world. I challenge you today. Don't turn on the news. Don't turn on the news. And read your Bible. Read, just find you a chapter. Just one chapter. Pray and ask God to show you the chapter. Don't turn on the news. And see where your soul starts stirring. In 1 Corinthians 13 and 10, and I'm done. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. This world is soon departing, church. So what kind of witness are we? We've seen it. We've sought it. We've all had problems in our lives. I really and truly believe we've had something in our lives that we're seeking something. Then when we seek it and then we come into a place like this and Brother Jonathan preaches a message, then you say, oh, I saw it. I was there, I saw it. But what do you say? When you leave out of here, if somebody's watching from afar, what's your life, the ministry, and the, and the message that your life is preaching? What's it saying? God help me to stay strong. I fail. I falter. I fumble. I, I, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm a failure, church. But I pray that God will convict me, send that Holy Ghost to convict me, and show me where I'm wrong. That I can get my feet back under Him through Christ. Stay on the battlefield and be an encouraging witness to someone that may be weak and ready to quit. God bless you, preacher.